said, heartbreak happens when you're dating somebody for a long time. You're in a really comfortable spot. You're thinking, this is it. I'm happy here. We're going to go to the finish line together. It sucks. No one talks about it. It sucks. It happens. But the worst part is when you think you're the only one that's ever happened to, so you try talking to somebody about it. Once again, love my family. My brother gave me how many days, Paul? I tell you what, three days, two days? Three. Three total days. <laughs> three days. He goes, I'll give you three days to talk about it as much as you want, cry as much as you want. But I have three days right here about it more, you're getting yelled at. Thanks. It's done. It's bro. So I'm like, all right, all right, let me talk to mom. Mom will understand. Mom's like, okay, we talked about this for a couple of times. Can, can we move on? <laughs> Let's get over all right, this. All right, let me go talk to dad. Dad, you want to talk about right? Hey, man, you want to go to work? Let's go, let's go do something else. Let's go do some productive. Let's just take this energy we have to talk, and let's go do some productive with it. <laughs> what a man, that Evans. <laughs> the only person that gave me comfort was my baby sister, Lucy. She'd be like, hey, you okay? Let's watch cartoons together. And I'm like, Lucy, you're a godsend. Come here. <laughs> uh, so it happened. So for me, the empty stomach was symbolic because I was hungry. I was hungry to move forward in life. I said, this cannot be the end of my journey. This cannot be the end right now for me. Working as a, uh, what was I? What was I? I worked in a pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical company. But I worked as a, I was supposed to be doing the computers to be like checking the, checking in the drugs and whatnot. But since the job was filled by somebody else at the moment, they put me on like a side job where I restocked the shelves, where I was doing a lot of the manual labor. And you're like, God, I got a college degree. I graduated. I was doing very well. I was, if you want to talk about it, once again, I was at the pinnacle of where I was. I was ready to go yep. to the age of life. Bro, and I, one where? of the happiest days, you know, for you, Yeah. well, in relation to me. So <laughs> what people, what, what, I, what I never tell people, so I'm just saying, so I can just put it out into the public for this one, right? Say it. Say so, it. I mean, you know, you know what happened. Mm. But, you know, they gave us very, very clear instructions. Don't yell, don't clap, none of that. Don't do that. You know, wait till the end and and, and seeing you hit that. Because, you know, obviously, you know, like you said, I'm one of those people that I love seeing my people succeed. 100%. Yes. I love seeing my people succeed. And, and, and to see you in that place where, you know, you finally hit that finish line, bro. Like, you finally mm -hmm. hit it. And you grab that degree. And I think I yelled. I was like, that's my boy. And I just yelled it out. Like, it came out of nowhere. It wasn't I planned it. No, it, just, it just came out, right? And I caught myself, you know, wiping away, like, two hot thug tears. <laughs> Joy. And I'm just like, oh. Was, ah. So, you know, just, just to hear that, you know, like, you, you were at that pinnacle. You're right. You were yeah. at that pinnacle. You, you made it. You know, what, what yeah. do you say? Top tenor bus? <laughs> you, you made it, bro. Yes. And and then you're here, you know, life has obviously not gone as you planned. Yes. You know, and, and thanks so much, you know, time even about the heartbreak uh, aspect, because mm -hmm. I think that's something that a lot of students and a lot of college students, especially, mm -hmm. unfortunately have to experience. Yes. Um, the, the fact that, you know, things will happen and you'll get off track and your heart will break and yo that that if not handled what i'm going to call appropriately that can mm -hmm. that can railroad you mm -hmm. 
So that's why I'm saying, like, you know, to some it may not be a big deal, but it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, to still maintain that composure, mm-hmm. to still keep yourself, like, as you're going through, nah, the, the heartbreak didn't happen, you know, before you were done. But we're going to get to that. Uh, but, like, to still maintain that composure and still keep that drive going, mm-hmm. right? Because I think I'm one of the few that got to see you, like, struggle. Yes. Right? And, uh, you know, we just did a live video the other day um, where we're talking about with challenge comes mm-hmm. check. Um, if you haven't heard it, go check it out at the Tembo Way <laughs> uh, on Facebook or on YouTube at the Tembo Way. Uh, so easy. So easy to type it. But we talked about, you know, with challenge comes change and challenge, uh, parentheses, struggle. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to go through that two, two-step process. Or, you know what, better yet, you have to go through the two-step process. First, things have to be good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then you have to go into that struggle season. Mm-hmm. Part Only after going through it, then you come out on the other side where now you can overcome, you can appreciate things a lot more. So, like, let's kind of jump into that, right? So, right here. Yeah. Right here, where you're talking about, where you're starting to like, you were stocking shelves. This is where, this is where I think the biggest struggle of your life occurred. Yeah. So talk about it. So, like I said, this is this is me looking back. I want everybody to understand that this maturity you hear, this this yeah. about the past we hear, this was not presently there. <laughs> oh yeah, <It's> reflection. <laughs> I would come home. I would complain. My family gets sick of me complaining because they're like, it's not who we raised you to be. Mm-hmm. Stop letting the anger and the the depression, whatever, get to you. And I'm like, I'm trying so hard, but I can't. So this is now where, this is why I truly believe I became more of who I am today. Because this is not what I call rock bottom. Because now I'm working a dead-end job with a boss who doesn't like me because I'm very educated. And she wants me to be doing a proper job of doing something I'm actually qualified for. Um, I'm, uh, I'm hungry for more. I want to do more. I'm like, I was meant to go to medicine. I was meant to help people. I've done so much more for my future than just to be here again, to think is I'm going to be here for so many years because I can't get into school. What do I do? What alternate pathways, uh, can I get in? I'm looking at different things like PA school. I'm looking at things like, do I get a master's program? I'm looking at, do I leave the, the state? The What do I have to do to get into any school? I didn't care. This idea of dream school, it was out the window. Because you know what? When you're at your rock bottom, you're just like, how can I get out? And then also, like I said, heartbreak. When you don't have the person you've leaned on for so long, for such a time, you're like, okay, I'm back to ground zero with nothing. What do I have? And this is now where I said, like I said, I feel like I became the person I am today. I ran to God. I was like, I did not go to Andrews University for four years, sit in those Friday chapel, Vespers, Wednesday, uh, Thursday chapels, not Wednesday, Thursday chapels, Saturday services at New Life, PMC, still missing Dwight, honestly. I miss all those guys. Um, like, I did not do all these activities as an RA to just to all of a sudden now when things get tough, just be like, all right, God doesn't exist. Life is terrible. No. You have to start realizing, you have to build a relationship, a real relationship with God. And that's what I did. So I dove into the Bible. I dove into devotionals. I was like, before I can help anybody else, I got to help me because I am broken. So I'm like, I need to channel all this negativity and something positive. So what I love doing now is I love finding quotes. I love finding quotes, inspirational quotes, like 
things that people say that just really like that took an effect on me. I like writing them on my phone. I like memorizing them as much as I could. Second, I went through the Bible. I asked my mom, because my mom just loves this stuff. I'm like, please send me verses. You want to send me 20 verses? Let me dig through them after work, during work, when I'm upset, anytime. Just, and, just, and I told my whole family and my friends, what do you guys do? Just keep praying for me. I'm like, just pray for my mentality. Because the only way she's going to stick is if I can do this for a long period of time. We know habits and little things you have in your life, they don't happen overnight. They happen when you do them repeatedly, repeatedly over and over again. And then there's a quote by Aristotle that I love. He goes, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. So I'm like, how can I create that again. habits? <laughs> Say that again. Aristotle said, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. You know, that, that definitely hits me with uh, something I... I read um, a couple of days ago where it talked about, you know, excellence becoming a habit, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I was, um, so I have a routine every morning I wake up mm-hmm. and, you know, I do my devotion and as I'm showering, I'll put on a podcast. Um, mm-hmm. During my morning process, that podcast will either run, honestly, it runs anywhere from like 20 minutes to an hour. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, I've shorter ones I'll put in two or three, um, but I was listening to one in the morning. And if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. I don't want to misinterpret that, but I remember them talking where I think they said we choose our habits, mm-hmm. right? And then our habits in turn determine our future. Yes. So you saying... Excellence, like excellence, is a thing. Like it's it's about habit. Like you just mm-hmm. you habitually become excellent. It's true, you know. Uh, you have to put in, and you know, there's a little bit of a tangent, but I always talk about how when it comes to achieving great things, um, mm-hmm. be a, you know, you want excellent, you'll be successful. Anything, it has to be a two part process. The first part is you have to speak into existence. You have to believe mm-hmm. yes. that you can actually. Achieve what it's going to do um no matter how ridiculous mm-hmm. it could be no matter how quote-unquote unattainable it is you have to speak it into existence with such fervor that mm-hmm. you yourself even if nobody else in this world believes you can do it you know you're going to achieve it one day it may not be tomorrow it may not be next week it might be 50 years from now but you know you're going to get it that's part mm-hmm. one and then the second part of that has to be the work the grind yes. Right, you can't just you just can't skip that part, you know. You can't just tell yourself, okay, so here's an example I use a lot, right? People talk about they want to be millionaires, so they want to make a million bucks. The reality of this is this. Wow, and that English was horrible. But the reality (laughs) of it is this: if you want to make a million bucks, it's actually not difficult Mm -hmm. to do it. Yep. I guess you know people are in different uh, money situations. I get that. I get that, Mm -hmm. but. If you want to make a million bucks, if everybody's in the same playing field, honestly, even if they're not, making a million bucks is not hard, mm-hmm. right? It just comes to how much work, I mean, obviously, coupled with opportunity, but how much work you actually are willing to put in. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Yep. Um, 
I always think about how people will find themselves in different situations where they need to make ends meet and then they make ends meet. Boom. Things could be looking impossible. Um, and just by just sheer will, luck and hard grind, mm -hmm. it worked out. So um, that's why, you know, it's a little bit of a tangent, but I just wanted to put that in no, there. No, no, I like uh, it. Anybody needs to hear that, you know? It's a two-part process. You speak it into existence, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, you know what? I'll use you as an example. Right? <laughs> We're talking about you right here. We might as well. So for you, going to med school was that dream. Yes. You spoke it into existence. Yes. Long before you got into med school. You're in med school now, right? Yes. You got, and dude, thank you so much. For those of you who don't understand how uh, important it is that he's doing this even right now, this episode. Dude, what time is it over there in the UK? 11.50. It's 11.50. <laughs> Deep into his night. <laughs> deep into his night. I mean, it's 6.50 over here. Right. <laughs> it's 11.50 over there. We're going deep into his night. So it's all about just, you know, you, you spoke it into existence. Mm -hmm. And then you put in the work. But your work, obviously, your path was different. So for some mm -hmm. people, their work just includes four years of undergrad. And then, boom, they're in there. And then they go yeah. through that med school and blah, blah, blah. You, you, you had to put in a lot more work than most people do. Mm -hmm. But you still put it in. You still went through that struggle. You still, you know what? Let's not get ahead of ourselves, Paul. <laughs> but you still put in that hard, excuse my French, that hard-ass work. Yes. So that you can get to where you are today. So let's, let's just go back. So we're talking, let's, let's move past the heartbreak. Let's move past the, <laughs> let's move past the, I mean, that's all important. I, I just, yes. I just, I don't want to take up too much time. You know, it's, it's no, late. No, I, it's about to be midnight for you. Listen, I'm here for you. You need me. I'm here. No, I'm here for the kids. Uh, <laughs> we do it for the kids. Always. So, so, so you're, you're putting in this hard work and you take, you say you took the headset four times. Woo. Yeah, man. You know, <laughs> It's impressive to know the grind that was still there. Yeah. Some people will take that maybe twice and just be like, you know what? This ain't it. Oh, I had my doubt somewhere. I had, I, I was there. Oh, oh yeah. No, 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 no. I'm about to get to that. Some people will take it and just be like, yo, this ain't it. Um, all this work I'm putting in and I'm not seeing results. Yes. Can't be. But I mean, you had your doubts. Dude, I was right there. Mm -hmm. You know? But this is for those who weren't having the front row seat to that struggle yeah help them understand like what was it like having to push yourself farther harder go through more pain than you ever imagined you'd have to go through to hit this goal that you always wanted to hit so after i had to do a mental i had to do a mental change like i said i had to go from positive negative to positive but then also i think we'll talk about this too one time to be where I am today, I had to go through this process because I had to lay the foundation down properly now. I had all the tools, I had all the materials, but now I had to make sure that I was set up appropriately for the future. So like you said, if I took the MCAT four times, after number three that mm -hmm. last summer when I was home, that summer when I just got home and I was working that job, um, by springtime, I was like, I was looking at different routes. I was looking at ways I can get into like PA school, anything else, because I was at that breaking point. I was sick and tired of paying money. To, man, I thought the the American Medical School of College was uh, corrupt. I'm like, they're trying to kick me out. They're trying to keep me out. <laughs> like, you, start talking, you start telling yourself things just makes you feel better. Cause you're like, this can't be life. Like, what did I do wrong to not get in? But like right. I said, with the mindset change, I was like, okay, 
I do some, something needs to re-motivate me. What can it be? I talk to my mom and dad and they're like, I think you need to leave New Hampshire because you're not going to be happy being home, being here if you're not completing your goals. So mm -hmm. they're looking at ways, what can I do? Where can I go? Do I have to move to Massachusetts, maybe to go to school down there and whatnot? And then this is now where I think it's a, a heaven, a heaven godsend. I think an angel in disguise. My brother called me one day and goes, hey, so I'm graduating in May 2016, which is in a couple months. I want you to come out to California and visit me in April. I said, but Doug, it's March 31st. <laughs> March 31st, 31st. He goes, yeah, come to weekend. Doug, that's in like two, three days. I know. Do you understand what work is and time off and PTO and all that? I got to put that in. Just come to California. All right. So I bought a ticket to my boss. I had to go do an emergency. No, see, my brother's an emergency. How about? <laughs> hey, man. Family's so, emergency. <laughs> family's emergency. Plus, she would miss the man get his white coat for dentistry. I had to get her back one time. Listen, I'm petty. We know this already. <laughs> mm. So I went out to California. And my brother's like, listen, I want you to go shadow Dr. David Teray. He knew him when he came to New Hampshire. He spent about a summer there with his family. And he was new to the area. He was going to pro uh, progressing over to Loma Linda, California, a medical center, actually, as a general OR surgeon. And I was like, I want you to shadow him for the next three days. Because I was talking to him at the white coat ceremony, with the dentistry white coat ceremony. And we told him how we were struggling. And he said, give me Gideon for three days, and I'll set him straight. Now, see, no one told me about this detail until April. So my family been talking about my back for about a month and a half. I was not happy about this. <laughs> and they're like, we got to send the boy out to California. How are we going to do this? All right, we'll figure out a way. So I go out to California. Um, the first day I went to the OR, I'm suited up. I'm looking up. I had the tie clip. I had the pocket square. I had the nice blue suit on. I'm looking good, thinking I'm going to walk around the campus with Dr. David Teray. I'm feeling good. He looks at me. First off, whenever you follow a surgeon, do not think you're ever going to get there before the sun rises. I got to the medical center at 6 a.m. Mm. And I was technically almost late because I should have been there at 5.45. That's another story. Um, so I got there at 6 o'clock in the morning. Doug dropped me off and I went back, to, went back home. <laughs> I go to the medical center. I get it. I'm all suited up. He looks at me and he just smiles. I'm like, how you doing? Good morning, A, B, and C. And he goes, all right, come with me. We're walking. You don't know how lost you are in a hospital until the person leading you just starts turning left, right, left, right, and doesn't talk to you. He's just on his, has his water in his hand, has his coffee. He's going to get his coffee in a minute. He's walking. He goes, I should have told you to wear scrubs today because you're not going to be for the next few days. I said, okay. All right. Now, what now? He goes, I'll get you a pair of scrubs. You never want to get a pair of hospital scrubs because they never fit you right. Never, bro. I am not a tall man. He gave me, like, large scrubs. Like, I, I try to lift weights. I try to be built. But I wasn't built for large. They were falling from behind. I still have them this day to remind me every single day of a pair of scrubs I got from the hospital that I don't want them ever again. <laughs> a pair of large scrub bottoms and large scrub tops. He said, put this cap on. Wear this mask. We're going to surgery. I said, but Dr. David Tabray. It's 6.45 in the morning. We spend so much time seeing patients, but we're going to surgery. So I'm thinking we're doing something simple. I'm thinking it's whatever. He's OR. I don't, he's general OR. I don't know what he's going to do. Simple golf ladder or something. Listen, first sight I saw was a woman's behind in my face. <laughs> oh. And I'm sorry, people listening, they're like, 
because she has a cyst. We have to get rid of the cyst. I'm like, what do you mean we? <laughs> he goes, we? you can observe me. We're in the OR, aren't we? I'm like, what is happening right now? And then Twinkle goes, all right, scrub up, and then I need you to get in there. By the way, as he's talking, he's washing his hands. He's in his daily just routine, just doing his thing. This is what I saw. I started admiring. I'm like, this man is so calm about to hit a surgery right now, and he's just in his routine talking like it's no one's business. Like he's about to just have a conversation with me in his office. Mm -hmm. Scrubbed up, went in there, jumped right in, started talking to his people. They got music set up. They got things set up. He's like, we're going to be in there for about two, three hours. I said, how many hours? <laughs> he's not telling me details. He's just telling me, let's do A, B, and C. He's not telling me details. So then the best one is, another thing I learned about the uh, OR, know your glove size. They're not small, medium, large. They're by numbers. So one of the nurses goes, what's your glove size? I said, medium. She goes, we don't have medium. We have numbers. I said, what <laughs> what is this so she's like i'll give you like an eight i'm like okay i put them on and i just after that i got my little notepad because he said bring a notebook i brought a notepad and pencil i'm just writing stuff and then they said i wrote i wrote down hb1ac for hemoglobin turns out she was diabetic she knows she's diabetic i wrote down information i wrote i'm writing down anything i can hear that i could because why two three hours later i sat down i'm like my legs hurt I'm falling asleep, and we're still in the OR. And they're just having a good time, talking, going A, B, and C. Eventually, they got done. And I'm realizing this is the life of a surgeon. This is the life. This is, this is how he starts his day at 7 o'clock in the morning with a surgery. And then right. afterwards, that's the surgeon portion. A doctor, to be a really good doctor, be a physician, you don't just throw medication at a person. You try to work with them as a person and see how can I uh, relieve your ailments properly. You're like mm -hmm. a detective like Sherlock Holmes. So that's what he taught me in the small time I was there. So after we spent time together, I'll just, there's so many stories I can have. After that happened, we spent, he set up for lunch. He left me at lunch because he got another call on his beeper. I don't know why we use beepers in the year 2016 still instead of like text messages or something like that. But <laughs> he got his call, he left me at lunch, Guess who strolls into the medical side? Doug strolls in. Hey, what's good? What are you doing here? Bro, I came to check up on you. Where you been? I've been in surgery for four hours. Huh. You thought medicine was easy. <laughs> that's my brother. That's us. That's us. That's, that's, yeah. so, by the time I finally had to wear my suit was day three. He's like, all right, you've been in surgery. You've seen... You've seen the lungs, you've seen an uh, uh, appendectomy, you've seen, we've opened a chest open to relieve the fluids or pleural fusion, you've seen cysts, you've seen a sewing up of the leg. Like, we saw like five different surgeries in one day. He sent me home the first night at six o'clock at night. I was in the hospital for 12 hours. <laughs> Just another and day. I was like, I was like this, is, this is the future, this is life. Mm -hmm. And so, at the end of it all, he sent me to go to lectures down with the medical students. I saw a lot of my friends that got in to medical school. Once again, I'm very happy for them. And I was talking to them. And then we went to lunch later that day with a few of them. And I was talking to two of them. And I'm like, guys, I'm so happy for you. They're like, why are you so happy for us? Like, like why are you not upset that you're not in? I'm like, listen, I went through my time. It happens. It's not my course. It's not my, it's not my journey. I got to something a little bit different. But I'm happy for you guys because it's good to see you succeeding no matter what. And they yeah. told me how they were worried about tests, how they're going to get kicked out, A, B, and C. I said, listen, you've been put on this path for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. I hate that saying, by the way, because when it's used against you, it is the most frustrating saying. 
Mm. Honestly, is the best thing that other people let them know that listen, the life you're living, you're not directing it. You're following the path that's been put in front of you. Mm-hmm. And when you accept it, when you let God lead, it makes things so much easier. He's gonna beat it out of you, don't worry. But it's so oh, much yeah. when you follow. And so Dr. Teray, he eventually sent me home where I'm going home. He's like, listen, I want you to do a couple things for me. One, I want you to take the MCAT again. I said, but Dr. Teray, I can't do four times. I can't. I physically cannot go into that testing center again, take a test and not do well. And he goes, if you truly want this, you're going to have to go try it again because it's not going to get easier. You're not going to get in a backdoor way. You're going to get into hard work, perseverance, and you keep on trusting in God. You got to keep on going. All right. I listened to him. I didn't like it, but I listened to him. <laughs> I went back home, and this adds to now how I did the fourth one, the fourth MCAT. And now the funny part about it was, on top of the fact that I did the MCAT again, I actually moved from New Hampshire to Ohio with my brother. We moved out there in July. And I just, I was like, new place, new me. What can I do? And I started building good habits. I started waking up very early in the morning. I continued the habit of going to bed very early. So I wake up at like six o'clock in the morning, go to bed like 1030 at night and throughout the day, just how can I be efficient? When it comes to the gym, when it comes to basketball, I just gotta be efficient in every single way because if I wanna be in medicine, where I'm hearing from other people that I started talking to, I started talking to my brother's friends that were in medical school. I started talking to Dr. right? other people that just, my, even my pediatrician back home, like what's medical school like? They're like, there's no way we can tell you what to expect, but you need to be very disciplined because it is not like anything you've done before. Medical school is very doable, but you have to be willing to sacrifice a lot and be willing to put in all the time and effort necessary to complete your goal. That's something I can tell everybody. Anybody can do medical school. It just depends how much you're willing to give up. And so they told me that. I said, okay. And just, I took MCAT again <laughs> on August 2016. And God is good. I got a better score. Mm-hmm. And then the fun part came, applying to schools. <laughs> you say fun. <laughs> I say fun with a laugh because that is actually the most heart-wrenching thing to do when you apply to a school you have your heart set on and they give you that to who it may concern Ooh, it's mm. heartbreak you can feel though to who it may concern Ugh. give me like, my for my name right you can't give me the generic why do you give me the generic to who it may concern <laughs> so now this is another step in the process um i try to tell the people now i try to be an advocate for doing schools outside the country because why i'm one of them I'm an international medical school, medical graduate, or I don't know what I am. It's called, they call it IMG, that's what we call okay. it. And listen, Paul, did I ever want to leave the country? Not once. You hated traveling. Did, did I, 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 ooh, I couldn't stand it. You guys are going to go on a mission trip. I said, why? <laughs> why? I can do a mission trip right here in Benton Harbor. I can do something right here in my backyard. Why do I leave the whole country to go do something? <laughs> Exactly. Remember my passport expired? <laughs> and I'm mm-hmm. like, well, I can't travel now. Can't leave now. <laughs> They're gone down and gotten renewed. Be like, nope, I'm good. <laughs> You're dead. Let's go to Chicago. No. Your mom, you can't leave the country. I know. Isn't it great? <laughs> Man, I had problems. <laughs> Man. <laughs> One day I'm at home. I'm applying to schools. I get a call from my mom. 
and she thinks she's slick like my dad's not in the background too. Hey, have you thought about applying to schools outside the country? Why would I willingly leave the country to go to medical school? <laughs> Here my Why? dad's background. He goes, I told you. <laughs> hey, hey, I need that dad. <laughs> so now they gave me an opportunity. They're like, listen, let's find a couple schools outside the country. Let's see what they say. Because in their their they have rolling admission. They have one in January, they have one in May, they have one in September. You have three chances. So if you don't get into the state school, you can at least get into schools in different countries. Now I'm like, okay, I'll listen to what you say, but I'm not happy about it. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that was a com, common theme in 2016, 2016. I'm like, I will do what people are telling me, but I'm not happy about it because I like to be in control of my own destiny. But people are pulling my strings and putting me where they want me to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so I applied to a couple of schools. I applied to two schools. One of them was the school I'm in now, American University of the Caribbean, of Saint, uh, the School of Medicine in St. Martin. I applied to them in October. By October, I was with Doug. He went to a, a seminar down in Florida. So I finally went to Florida for the first time in my life. I was down mm-hmm. there. I, when I was in the airport, I was submitting my final essay because they gave me a phone call saying, if you submit your essay today, we can get you an interview in the next week. I said, the next week? Say no more. <laughs> send in my, uh, my, inter- my uh, paper, send all my paperwork in. We're good to go. And a week later, I got an interview. And oh. I was talking to the lady in admissions, and she was like, you seem so put together. Why? That's a weird question to ask somebody. And I didn't mm-hmm. have the answer initially because I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, most people are very, they seem like they've been waiting for this interview for so long, but you seemed as if you knew it was going to happen. I'm like, honestly, I'm faking it very well then because I didn't think it was going to happen. But at this point, the process and the work I've put in, you don't get surprised at what happens anymore. Mm-hmm. I think, listen, I love my boy D. Wade. I love LeBron. I'm going to quote Kobe. They're like, Kobe, why are you so confident about taking the last shot? He goes, I've been doing this every single day for my whole life. Five, four, three, two, one. And I've been hitting them in practice. So if I put all the work in all along, why am I not, su- why am I not surprised? Because I know what's going to happen. I've seen it happen before. I've been putting the work in. Same thing. If you've been putting the work in constantly from the first day, working hard, the end result shouldn't ever surprise you. So same thing. I got the interview process. I try to sound calm, cool, collected. When I come up with the phone, I took a deep breath, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. I almost peed my pants. <laughs> um, they called me back on November 3rd, 2016. You remember the day you always think good things happen? And I got accepted to medical school. Mm. So let's jump forward. Um, <laughs> I knew you want to ask this question. What? I know a question. <laughs> I know a question. What you to ask. Ask a question for me. Ask a question for me. Gideon, tell me how what it was like being Hurricane Irma. Oh yeah, you knew what I was gonna ask. So mm-hmm. let's jump forward. Mm-hmm. Let's jump forward. You are in the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. From school, yes, pretty didn't want to because remember, we started, you know, for those of y'all who are still with us, <laughs> UK right now. Um, but the school's in the Caribbean, so you started, you know, 
Sea on the Caribbean. And then a little water and a little wind came. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Okay, so Hurricane Irma happened September 6th. 2017, yeah, that was last year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what year we hit? Um, so what happened was that one was, so I just got back after my second semester break. The way the schools work down there was you have five semesters, uh, one semester every four months. So we just hit the September semester. So I got there in January 2017. So now September 2017, I just got back. Um, we came home for break. I just got back. And they're like, okay, right now, coming towards the island it's a category three so right now we're just going to put everyone on notice about what our plan is but just be ready for anything that happens so we went to a meeting on sunday night and they're like do we need to buy flights and whatnot? like it's only category three it shouldn't be that bad worst case scenario everybody can come to the school and we can board up and be fine so we're all like all right cool me and my stubborn self said i got water i got ravioli i got crackers i got toilet paper I'm staying home. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just gonna sit home. I'm gonna have my Netflix and be ready. My friends, the family, the teachers, they vetoed that real quick. Because the day the hurricane hit, it turned into a category five. Oh, the now. All right, yeah. So we're saying we had a little mishap there with the connection there. <laughs> um, but yeah, pretty much. So the school they said they changed from a category three to a category five hurricane. And so one of my friends from Puerto Rico, he's hilarious because he's been through hurricanes. And I'm like, bro, why is it outside looks like the best day possible? And he goes, Man, this is barbecue weather. This is what always happens before the storm hits. So I grabbed what a little backpack, not even a bag, I probably like a small bag of water and all that stuff. Mm. And I was like, okay. Brought food. I brought my Chef Boyardee, brought my granola bars, brought my water, brought toilet paper. And I'm like, all right, we'll be here for a day. The island will be back to normal. We're going to jump right into it afterwards. Man, when you plan things out, I swear that's when they get the most messed up. Because we had planned for like the whole month of September, we're going to hang out and have a good time. Because we had like seven birthdays in a row. So we're all expecting the island to be no problem. It's going to be just after this hurricane and even with the category five i'm like we'll still be fine mm-hmm. when i tell you i've never seen such destruction on such a small area i'm mm-hmm. like trees are everywhere gates are down houses destroyed they were apartment buildings that they were they no longer are there anymore like they didn't even rebuild them right now i haven't been back you'll show me videos and i'm just like okay this is this is serious uh, like okay so that happened on a tuesday so by tuesday night wednesday morning that's when the hurricane really hit and i went outside to go look just through the doors that we locked ourselves in it's like a white wall like it wasn't snow a white wall is outside and you just see trees bending and you're just like this is a hurricane this is what you've seen on tv but being in it and the island of st martin where we were we went through the eye of the hurricane so that was just insane. You sit there and you praise God every single day that nothing bad happened to the building or anything like that. Because we saw the statue of the, one of the first deans of the school that was knocked over. Cars were pushing parking spots into each other. Parts of roofs were ripped off. Like the destruction was insane. 
And so that's the outside aspect. What most people don't talk about in a hurricane is how people behave. <laughs> uh, I like to think during the hurricane, I was very positive. I was playing Uno. I was sleeping. I was helping out with the meals. I was helping out just whatever I could because I'm like, what else are you going to do? Study? Man, there's no island to go study to. <laughs> How can I study? I'm trying to get home right now. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing about it is when you have no agenda, the days drag on a lot longer. They turned the lights on in the auditorium where we were staying at like 6 a.m. in the morning. And I wouldn't go to bed till like 2 o'clock in the morning because I had nothing to do. What am I do? Sleep all day? Like, I got mm. nothing to do. So... It's just insane because people, I saw people's real selves. Like, you see people who truly are in medicine to help. Yeah. And people who are just there because they're there. Like, you don't know their reasons. You don't know their, their the, what burnt, what the fire in their chest that gets them going. And that's, that's between them and God. It's not for me to judge. Like I said, I'm working on that. But for me personally, I'm just like, it really showed me what kind of character and person I'm going to be. Because I met one of the doctors I really, really admire here. And he was put in a situation where he's an OBGYN. Why is he doing like ER stuff? <laughs> like an, as an ER doc, like performing all these different procedures. Right. Kind of, nice. See? Yeah. Yeah. You, you get told to be a doctor, you're a physician. You're there to help people and you do the best you can. And so the hurricane was ridiculous. Like that's a whole nother story for itself. I can just talk about that. And that right. one really, changed me again because that's when you realize that you are truly okay with everything going on in your life i know you're not happy with me <laughs> but like i was like if this is the end of my story this is the end of my chapter because you have to put that in perspective mm -hmm. i'm truly okay i accomplished my goal came to medical school i've made my family proud i've made myself proud and i've just established a very good relationship with god like this is the end for me this is the end of the legendary tale we call my life. I am completely okay with it. And just from there, I had complete serenity in my heart. Like, they lied to us about these airports and these, the airplanes, like, every other day. I was in the plane, no, I wasn't worried. <laughs> I was out there sneaking around trying to find a bathroom. <laughs> like, you just do things. You talk to people. You try to help out. I went one time to go help do the dishes, and I got roped in for, like, three hours for taking all the that we have just organizing it and i'm like guys i just want to go sleep like it's 11 o'clock at night we've been up since six i want to go to bed i leave at 11 they're like no no get in we're gonna go out we're gonna go out to the porch and just hang out with my guys at 11 i want to go to bed we hang outside for like two hours because we're finding a lot outside we're getting cabin fever being inside all day mm -hmm. and then then as i'm going to bed one of the one of the upper semesters around i was a third he's like a fifth he goes, Gideon, I need your help. I'm like, you don't want my help. It's 1 o'clock in the morning. I'm not good. I no sleep. He goes, come on, take two seconds. Turns out, it was not two seconds. Turns out there was a woman that was 300 or 400 pounds on the sixth floor of the apartment next to the school. She was a, uh, in diabetic ketoacidosis. She had potential CHF, congestive heart failure, and she had been seizing for the past four hours. And they were saying, we need you to gather up at least some materials to make a makeshift, uh, makeshift, uh, not raft, um, uh, what, what, the girdle, gir gurney, sorry, gurney, to mm -hmm. carry her 
up these ladders over this hill to bring her into the quote unquote command center, which we made inside the building. I said, I don't like you right now. <laughs> so first I got some random materials, like some ply, uh, some, uh, what was it called? Not plywood. Um, we got some random materials, it's whatever. We got some of that stuff. Either way, what ended up happening with this patient is she lived, God is good, but we had, I had to go now collect 10 guys, 10 big guys to yeah. live with. Now, in a hurricane, you don't have much. You have your backpack and that's all you really have. So if, you have, if you're blessed to have a significant other with you, you hold on to them tight. Have you ever tried getting a guy away from his girlfriend after a hurricane happens? I was swung at three times. <laughs> and they're my friends. <laughs> hey, boys. <laughs> I'm like, hey, hey, I, I need him. No, no. What do you mean, no? I need him. There's no hurricane happening. It's two days afterwards. <laughs> There's nothing happening. <laughs> so that was one of the crazy stories that happened. The woman ended up living. We got 10 guys to carry her. One of the cars rooms got stuck in the water. We almost had to push it. Like, it was just a crazy story happening at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. And then I got to my bed by 4 a.m. And the lights were on at 6. <laughs> you just find ways to keep going. All right. Whew. So you really went through it there. Um, so what I want to do now is I kind of want to move forward a little bit now to this next transition. Because, you know, uh, for those who are listening, they can definitely hear that, you know, Gideon's story has been one of transition and having to adapt. You know, that's why I asked you, who are you today at the very beginning of the podcast, right? Mm -hmm. uh, where, and your answer was, you know, you just every single day you have to learn to adapt to what's, what's happening, what's there, you know, mm -hmm. every single day is a new day. And I, and I love that that's a central theme mm -hmm. of your story. So now you're past a hurricane and um you know specific things happen here and there and they relocate y'all mm -hmm. again to the united kingdom somewhere yes, you have, like like this is, <laughs> it's a whole different you know culture yes so i'll ask you this because you know uh we're, mm -hmm. we're almost basically to where you are in present day so let me ask you this yeah. what's been what's been the largest obstacle that you've had to face once you got to the UK, the hardest and, obstacle. And how has it built you up to become the Gideon of today? The hardest obstacle I had to face besides school, because you know this 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 abusive relationship I have with medicine right now. She beat me up too much. I don't know why I do this. <laughs> Honestly, the hardest obstacle I had to face, I think, are my own personal demons every single day, because. When we got here in my third semester in September, we were on this shotgun kind of planning. We took it day by day. We had no immediate plan. They brought every semester over here. I'm semester three. So there are semesters one and two behind me and four and five in front of me. And we just had to just keep on going and nothing was wrong. They changed our testings from block exams, one every three to four weeks, to just one midterm and one final. And we're really getting to the thick of things now in our second year of medical school. Where mm -hmm. the topics are getting a lot tougher, they're getting more uh, uh, not conjoined. They're being more clinically relevant, and it is a lot of them are connected. So now you need to have more time just memorizing information, and time is not there anymore because now you're behind schedule. So things are just. We had classes at six o'clock at night to ten o'clock at night, so it's like a constant lab. 
um, your classes were in one building instead of uh, one building across campus. So it's, it, you do adapt constantly. So my own personal demons I had to fight. And then midway the third semester, we found out that semesters one and two, we're going to go back to the island, actually. And I was really close to semesters one and two because they're the ones, that, they're like your little brothers and sisters. They look up to you. You've been talking to them. You've been with them in the hurricane, especially like the first semesters who just got there. So I got to know a lot of them. I still talk to a lot of them now. And semesters four and five, they're in front of us. They're our older, they're our older brothers and sisters. But semester five, we're studying for this comprehensive test you have to take to complete being here at AUC before you can take a step. And semester four was just like, they're in the heart of their semester. They're so when they said that semesters two and one were going back, I was kind of upset because I'm like, okay, now what? That's fine. I'll adapt. I always do. It's not a problem. But then when last semester hit and it was just only two semesters here, I was now a fourth and the class I had me was a fifth. And the fifth semester were hiding, studying for their comp all day. And then I'm here. I'm just like, you realize how lonely you are and how much you miss home and how much these little things we've been putting off for so long were just mounting up. But like I said, that really forced me to really reevaluate and be more positive. Because then the last thing they told us is like, okay, you're coming back to the island. And I'm like, all right, good. I get to meet up with everybody. It'd be great. And then they told us last minute, actually, no, you're not. You're staying there. You can't go home for break. We're taking your passports. We're getting you a visa, which is great in the long run because they want us to go to the hospital. But in the process, they're like, you can't go home. So my only break, you've taken mm -hmm. Okay. But my mind was like, all right, what can I, where can I find the positives? And you heard me say this a lot. Let's find mm -hmm. the positives because it's easy to be negative. It's easy to see all the negatives. And so how can I find the positives? That's the big thing you're doing. And so I think you mentioned me saying adapting and whatnot, but something else we had to do is be persistent. And there's this quote, I'll say, I love quotes. I keep giving you quotes. Yeah. A river cuts through rock, not because of its power, but because of its persistence. It's powerful. And we only keep going forward on this journey that we've been through. We've been through a roller coaster these past five semesters, these two years. And every day I thank God, because I'm like, we're getting closer and closer to our goal. I keep mm -hmm. telling you, remember 2021, May 2021. I keep telling you that day. 21. I'm like, listen, I'm about to be like, I'm about to be excited. I can't wait. But we got to take it day by day and just mm -hmm. we keep adapting to whatever we get hit with any situation. Dude. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put the pin there. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna put the pin there just because. You know, we definitely caught up through your whole story. Yes. But it's finished. It's not finished. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we can't, we can't, you know, keep going on just because, you know, the, the story has not yet been done. However, <laughs> I do think that it's been important that people have the opportunity to hear it so far. Mm -hmm. I definitely think it's important that, you know, somebody will, will be listening. There'll be a kid that listens to this, dude. And they'll relate to it in a way that you and I can never even imagine. Mm -hmm. There has to be cut out there that maybe he's dealing with the fact that, you know, earlier this week I heard something where, um, I don't remember who I was talking to, but you work so hard for something you want. Mm -hmm. And then you're told you're not good enough. Mm -hmm. That has to be devastating. Mm -hmm. So 
so for someone who's hearing this and they're like, you know, what, I definitely relate with Gideon's story. I definitely understand that pain, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's not impossible. It's hard, right? It can be hard, but impossible? No. Mm-hmm. You just got to keep going. Persistence. Yes. Um, my mentor uh, said once in a video he did where he's like, time is a true factor that proves everything right. Um, just like you said, you know, water cuts to a rock, not because of power, but you know, just over time persistence. Mm-hmm. If you do something, you put in the work and you just are patient enough to let it happen and trust the process. That's, that's yes. been our, our, uh, our, our theme for this year, right? Man, trust that. That's been the whole theme. <laughs> so as long as you're patient to put in the work and then trust the process, mm. it's proven that it will work out. Mm-hmm. Right? Time is proven. It will work out. You just got to be able to trust the process. Declare it, right? So speak into existence mm-hmm. the work and then trust the process. I'm just going to put in part three of this right now. <laughs> trust the freaking process. Dude, thank you so much for taking the time. On, it's definitely the middle of the night over there. <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time to just share your story so that, yeah, you know, man. as long as you make a difference, as long as one kid hears this and gets that change in their life, Yes. The world is a better place. Hey, man, I appreciate it. You know I got time for this always. I'll make time. I know. I know. But I still got to say thank you. You know, I got to give credit with credit. Dude, dude, you don't have to just. You know what I'm saying? Like, you were like, yeah, I'll, I'll pick a time that works not just for me, but for you. So thank you. Thank you so much, honestly, dude, from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much for for sharing this. You know, it just, it, it, it matters that people are able to, you know, again, relate with struggle because it all yes. comes down to vulnerability. If mm-hmm. people don't hear other people going through things, they, they're not, they're less willing to share mm-hmm. what's happening to them. And if you're not able to talk about it, if you're not able to share, if you're not able to connect, mm-hmm. the progress does not happen. Mm-hmm. From the bottom of my heart, dude, I thank you so very much. I mean, you're my boy, but you know. That's spam right there. Here. That's spam. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I knew the story and the story inspired me. And I think the story is going to inspire a lot more, a lot more people. Yes, sir. Yo, you're that man, y'all. Thank you so very much.